Hey, good evening, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on the Transportation and Logistics Clubhouse, powered by Atlanta Dispatch and Humble Bee Enterprises. Uh, very excited to be here. We got a very special guest, Brother Mike Nelms of Keep Trucking Transportation. And before we get started, uh, I did want to start with this, all right? Uh, this week, actually it was yesterday, I happened to be scrolling on LinkedIn and saw that DAT had their weekly market update going. And uh, when I when I joined just to view it, it was it happened to be a, a, a nice, a very kind lady who I had interacted with in the past. Uh, she owns a brokerage that focuses on expedite freight. And, uh, you know, they gave an opportunity for people in the in the audience, uh, the viewers to ask a question. And, you know, my question to her was, had she started leveraging independent dispatch agencies in order to, you know, plan her higher demand freight opportunities. You know, peak season is coming. And, uh, you know, the question is something that a lot of people have probably heard before, but the whole point is it, it, it kind of shown a light on how the industry currently sees independent dispatch agencies. Uh, they recognize that there are values that are brought to owner operators and small fleets but they haven't quite decided where to put them or, you know, if they're going to buy in or really lean into what they can do. So the the, the answer that she provided, uh, you know, it, it just kind of like furthered the conversation. And, you know, basically that's that's my advice to everybody right now is advocate on your behalf. You know what I mean? I'm an independent dispatch uh, care, I mean, agency owner. And the decision that's going to come in November by those folks in the FMCSA is going to make a, a impact on how I operate. So at any chance you get, advocate on your behalf, you know, educate people, uh, network for yourself. That's the whole entire point of the Transportation and Logistics Clubhouse is to, you know, utilize your gift of gab to, you know, find about find out about uh, game information opportunities and uh, you know just network. So, uh, without further ado, hey, what's up, Michael? How you doing, brother? How you doing? I'm blessed, brother. How you feeling? Thank you so much for joining. I appreciate you for having me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Look, man. Look, I, I just talked a little bit about that decision that's gonna come down uh, from the FMCSA. That's gonna you know basically say what independent dispatch agencies are able to do. Um, how do you feel about that? Do you have an opinion on how you think that's going to go? Well, I don't know exactly how it's going to go, um, but but I think that, you know, th these regulations are going to make it a little bit more difficult for people to actually dispatch the these fleets, especially I think it's going to impact the smaller fleets more so than the larger ones. So um, like you said earlier, you know, we got to get out and be advocates and just speak, you know, speak on our behalf when we can. Yes, sir. I agree. I agree. Look, man. So sorry. I was I was real passionate. Let me let me let me uh, wind that back a bit. Uh, can you please introduce yourself, brother? And uh, <laughs> you know, let the people know what Keep Trucking Transportation does. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, my name is Mike Nelms. Uh, I'm the CEO of Keep Trucking Transportation. I'm a father first and foremost, um, and as well as a Howard University graduate uh, who specializes in leasing on trucks dispatch as well as logistic services yes sir well look man it's a it's a pleasure to have you here on stage um you know i i, I heard about you 
uh, some time ago just by way of Brother Rommel. And then we had the opportunity to meet here in the Atlanta area at the first uh, reset that uh, Truck and Hustle. Uh, so it, it's, a, it's a full circle moment here on stage. Thank you again for joining me. And, you know, I, what I did learn was that you're an entrepreneur. And I guess my, my first question is, at what age did you become, like, what, at what age did you open your first company? My first company. So, um, and you're not going to believe this, but my first, my first business was a paper route. Uh, I think I was okay. 11 or 12 years old, about, about the same age as my daughter now. Uh, so that was my first time kind of dabbling in owning a business, hiring staff. Um, and, and then from there, I, I think it just was in my spirit. Um, then as I got, you know, a little older, um, after college, I opened up a medical firm and then that's kind of how it all started. Yes, sir. And now I respect that. I, I definitely respect that. A, a paper route. Did you, right. was it a walking route or did you have a bike? Well, I had a bike and then I'm from Buffalo. So at some point, you know, you're going to put the papers on the sled and pull the sled, just trying to be Jesus. innovative. Right. It was hard. <laughs> it was hard. To, it was hard to, to ride that bike in the snow. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so from there, we, you know, we, we played around with it and we were able to grow from two streets to six streets. And that's when I first started, you know, employing people to, to kind of help me get these papers off. So I think I just had had that that natural uh, entrepreneurship in my in my blood. man. No, I love it. I love it. And do you feel like uh, I see your name on Instagram is Maddie Daddy Time? Right. So I'm right. I'm sure I'm sure baby girl is Maddie. And I love right. that. Name. That's one of my nieces names. So awesome. Um, awesome. But do you feel like it's also kind of like permeated? Is it? Is it? Have you seen it in the in the next generation? Man, she loves it. So her mom also uh, owns owns a business. Um, I've owned several businesses, and of course, you know, you ask Madison two things: what school do you want to go to? She's Howard University, and what do you want to do? She says she wants to be a business owner. So she already knows that this is it's kind of in her now. She see it every day. So I love it, man. That's yeah. exposure. That's the yeah. that's the job of a of a parent is to expose their kids to the most uh, positive, productive things just to shape them. You know what I mean? So right. kudos to you, brother. Right. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Yeah, no doubt. All right. So look, you say you own several companies, right? So mm -hmm. like, what has your journey been so far? Like you opened the medical, uh, what, what exactly did you do in the medical field as far as a company? And then as you answer that, you know, just you dive into whatever other industries uh, you decided to participate in. So, um, so we started off by opening up a medical collections firm. Uh, so we would we would collect on accounts, you know, past 30, 60 days, and then we wanted to kind of take it to another level. And so we was actually invited to sit at uh, some some of the medical hospitals out here, sit at the board, and start to work on accounts receivable. So we went from collections, which was a little bit more difficult, um, to accounts receivable, which was a little more easier to collect on. And that way, we were able to scale our um, collection firm, our medical firm, by hiring more staff and taking on more accounts because they were easier to work. So it didn't take as much time uh, so that you can work more of them. And so, um, and we kind of relate that to the trucking industry as well on, you know, the scalability aspect of trucking, even when it's, you know, difficult times, like the ones that we previously faced and are still facing. I got you. Okay. Okay. No, I respect it. I love it. I love it. Okay. And, uh, you know, to this day, you said that you started early, you know, you started uh, 11, uh, 12 with the paper route, and then you uh, had the opportunity to start this medical company, uh, you know, at the, you know, early 20s. And, you know, since then, 
what have you learned about work ethic, you know, and actually, you know, what that will do for somebody who wants to be a business owner or just, you know, exist in this working world altogether? What about work ethic? I love it. Um, work ethic is, is, is obviously it's going to be at the forefront of any business. Right. Um, and, and the one thing I learned about work ethic is that um, you have to learn how to develop people's weaknesses and kind of lean on their strengths, right? So you have to you have to figure out for every employee, every team member, you have to figure out what their strengths and what their weaknesses are, and you have to be able to build on them, right? Um, and then, you know, obviously in a promotion, you know, within the company, you have to find uh, the people who kind of want to advance um, in that position and just kind of train them and mold them to do so. Um, work ethic is, you know, I'm up early. Um, you know, if, if you really want to if you really want to push your business, push your brand, you have to start early. You have to beat that alarm clock. You know, so the people who wake up by way of an alarm clock, they're already behind the eight ball. You got to beat that alarm clock. So that's something that we kind of live by, um, especially with this company. Um, and, and so I, I think that's a that's a great approach to have um, when you're starting a business or when you're trying to scale your business. Right, right, right. Now I feel you. And you said uh, you got to beat that alarm clock. Like, how important is a a morning routine to a uh, an entrepreneur? Like, how, what does that morning routine even look like for you? You know, as you answer that question. So that that's a that's a good question. I literally was just having a conversation um, about affirmations, right? So I'm big on it, and and I know it may sound weird and look weird, but every morning I get up, I look in that mirror and I talk to myself. Um, okay. You know, um, I think it's. I think it's important that that you set daily small goals. That's that should be your morning routine the day prior. You set small goals, um, and then those small goals will, you know, at some point accumulate and lead to larger goals. So I think that morning routine you got to get up early. You got you got to beat the person who's staring you in the mirror, right? You you're your only challenge. You're your, you're your biggest challenge, and you gotta you gotta beat yourself every day. Every day you gotta set those goals. You gotta achieve those goals. And, and work towards newer goals. And so I, I, I think that um, my morning routine or anybody's morning routine should be to get up an extra hour early. Whatever your normal day is, get up an extra hour early. And you just keep waking up earlier and earlier. And, and, and that's how you should start your day. You can't get up at eight o'clock and think you're gonna be successful. You gotta get up at six o'clock. You gotta start those, that morning affirmation. You gotta, you gotta you know, get a vision board, write things down, put, put them on sticky notes, put them on your mirror. Um, but you gotta constantly push yourself. No, I feel it. I feel it. And look, as I uh, as I respond to what you just said, I did get a, a a message to ask you to speak a little louder or put the the receiver a little bit closer. Um, so, no, I agree with you 100 percent, though, brother. Like uh, one, my wife put me on affirmations. You know, I was not of the mindset of speaking to yourself or even looking in the mirror to talk was something that you know, a normal person did, but, right. you know, I used to just see her doing it. You know, she used to just do it and go and have a blast doing it. And, you know, hearing the the words that were being said, you know, I started, you know, kind of saying the same things under my breath. You know what I mean? Just like, oh, yeah, you know, I am great. I'm kind, you know, I, all these amazing things that you want your, your spirit to understand and to embrace about the self and, you know, you know, the words that have power. So, um, you know, people haven't, you know, turned to affirmations and really affirming yourself. Uh, you're missing out on a huge, you know, confidence booster. <laughs> so, right. you know, you got to start there. And you said something else about getting up early. You know what I mean? Uh, what's early for you? 
early for me is like five. Um, so if I if I'm sleeping, then I'm up by six. Um, and just just because I need that time, right? I just need that time to kind of prepare for the day. Sometimes just take a pen and pad and write some of your thoughts down. And like I said, I'm big on sticky notes. You know, I put them all over the place. Um, just as a reminder of what you know, what my goal is, right? What what am I what am I trying to accomplish that day, um, or what didn't I accomplish the day the day prior? And I think that kind of really helps you stay organized as well. True, true. I I agree. I agree. And you know, I've interviewed a good amount of people now, especially some people who are really hitting in logistics, just like yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, whether they started brokerages or you know, they have very, very large fleets. Um, One of the very common things was getting up early uh, and exercise, exercising every single morning. Uh, They also, you know, have some type of routine where they uh, included some type of industry research. And, you know, before industry research, the spiritual, you know, and, you know, internal uh, focus, like what you just said, writing down some of those goals or you know, journaling in the morning, you know, so for the folks, again, who haven't established that morning routine, you know, these are, this is how you're setting your day. You know what I mean? This is, you're preparing your, how you prepare your day is basically how your day is going to go. So, you know, just make sure that you're utilizing that time in the morning and creating that time in the morning to really fuel yourself for the rest of the day. So, um, Man, I appreciate your 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 responses on that. And, you know, I know that you're you're Howard grad. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm pretty sure you had a great time up there. I had an LB who just graduated from their uh, law school. So shout out to that brother. Um, But, you know, for you, when it comes to entrepreneurship and, you know, you know, just being a well-read brother, uh, do you feel like you've had any books that you would like recommend or speak to that help develop your mind around entrepreneurship or maybe even your mentality? Hey, yes, that's a good question. I had I, I didn't because when I was at when I was in school, I didn't go to school um, to, to for uh, the school of business. I was in um, arts and science, which focused more on uh, pre-law. So that that's pretty much what I study. I mean, I wanted to you know become a lawyer fresh out of college. So. Um, but that kind of derailed and I started to focus on, you know, obviously being an entrepreneur. So it kind of just happened. It, it really wasn't something that I just um, focused on being. It just just one day I just kind of woke up and was like, man, you know what? I don't want to go to work anymore. Like I want to work for myself. I got to figure this thing out. Like what what is going to what is going to put me in, in, in a good position to get my time back. Right. And you hear me speak a lot about that. And so it just kind of fell in my lap. I didn't read a book. Um, then I didn't have a mentor, right? I kind of took the, the, the rough route to get here, you know, and I think that's why we, why we push so much about mentorship and how it's, how it's needed to develop, um, your sense of business, especially in this trucking industry. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I didn't have a mentor. I didn't take, um, the classes that we, that we now have the resources to take now. Um, there wasn't a, a book on being an entrepreneur that I read to get me here. You know, again, I, I always say, I man, I took the I took the rough road to get here, and that's why we we promote the exact opposite. No, I respect that. <laughs> I definitely respect that, and that's also one of the reasons why uh, you know I feel like the transportation and logistics clubhouse uh, kind of grew organically was for people like you 
who were willing to share their failures. You know what I mean? So people right. didn't have to go up that rough side, you know, that they had all these, you know, marks on their body from because that's what they did. You know what I mean? So um, I truly, you know, folks like you are definitely appreciated and necessary. And, you know, if, is there is there something in your experience as an entrepreneur or just as a person like a, a failure a big you know just something that you would say uh kind of gave you the most game or most wisdom and uh shaped how you move currently would you say there's anything like of that magnitude that has inspired or you kind of like um you know did any of that kind of stuff for you so so yeah so so my older brother um i speak about him a lot dr sean now is big on education he always said that you can't miss what you can't measure, right? And so when I first started this trucking industry eight years ago, I was doing box trucks and I was, you know, trying to learn how to dispatch. And um, and so I had to hire a company at one point and I was so new that I didn't know the difference between the rate cons and what they should look like and what information should be on there. And, um, and essentially he was taking advantage of my ignorance, right? And so... The, so the way we teach and the way we, the way we, the, the, you know, the way we teach dispatching, um, the way we teach people to actually get into this trucking industry, um, the way we hire our staff, um, when we, the, the way we create our, our rate cons is so transparent that you can't miss a penny, right? We teach people that way because, because of my ignorance, I was, I was taken advantage of eight years ago, right? And, um, and it wasn't a good feeling when I figured it out. And so now the way that we work, the way that we, hire our staff, um, when, we, when we onboard our drivers, um, even when we provide mentorship, we're always teaching that lesson. Like we have to be completely transparent in this industry and teach people, um, you know, how not to be taken advantage of. So I think that that kind of shaped our business. It shaped my, my motto, right? Everything is transparent. We have, you know, weekly meetings. We go over certain things. We, we promote mentorship. We just want people to get it right the first time. And so right. I, I think that was a um, that was a great lesson. I, you know, I got I got taken to school and, and I think I needed that to, to, to realize what I wasn't going to do. Right. So um, that's why our contracts are so um, lengthy. They're transparent. It, it tells you exactly what we expect from you, what you should expect from us. Um, you know, the way that we provide our pay slips every week, the way we communicate with the people that we lease on. Um, we don't just we don't just lease them on and do the work. We mentor and we educate them on what we're doing every step of the way. Um, so that that constant education is being provided um, from us to our to our to our mentees and the people that, that we allow to lease on um, under our company. So that was a great lesson. It just taught me what not to do. It taught me how to move. It taught me what people should expect. Um, so that that was actually a, a good lesson. You know, something that happened that really propelled me to this to this level. Yes, sir. Look, and I love one of those words that you use of just being transparent. Like, I don't. You know, being in this spot, I do talk to a lot of folks who uh, are interested in starting dispatch companies or have already started dispatch companies. And it seems as though there's this veil that they might be wanting to put over, you know, the carrier's eyes. And I'm like, why? Like, you, right. you, you want things to be out in the plane. This is not for fast money. This is for long money. You know what I mean? Explain the processes and allow them to get behind it and adhere to them versus, you know, just trying to make the quick book. And right. uh, it, maybe maybe it's one of those things where, you know, you being able to identify, you know, that somebody taking advantage early made you say, you know what, I don't want to 
one, I don't want that to happen to me again, but I also don't want to do that to other people. So, no, I, I love that, man. And it sounds like you – well, it doesn't sound like – I know you coach a lot of people on, uh, you know, getting into the industry, whether it be as a carrier or, you know, even a dispatcher. What is it – I don't know if you've been asked this question, but how much does it start to get started uh, as a dispatch company? Uh, man, I do. I get that question asked a lot. Um, especially okay. in our private. In our, yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I get that question asked a lot, especially in our private Instagram group, um, because there's a lot of people in there that that that's looking to scale their current fleet and or start dispatching. Um, we just have a, a a wide range of people in that group, and and so I always tell them, um, low boards, not expensive. Some like TQL are free. Um, there's low boards like DAT that may cost I think it's fifty dollars an hour, eighty dollars. Um, truck stop, I think, is $150. A cell phone, laptop, and a system to keep you organized, like a TMS system. Easy loads, easy books. Um, I think that it, it's it's so inexpensive to start a dispatch company that a lot of people have been doing it. And I think that's a great thing for the culture to be able to work from home. But we but we got to make sure that, that they're doing it the right way, right? That they're being taught the right way. Um, there's a lot of classes out here with a lot of information. And like I said before, I wasn't provided the, the resources eight years ago to start that way. Um, I don't think we've really even had dispatch courses back then um, to actually learn from, right? Or people that was really knowledgeable in it. So now I think it's important that we take advantage of some of these classes um, like ours, right? Who teach dispatching from an owner perspective. You know, it's, it's not about just booking a load and, and giving it to your carrier, right? There's a lot that go in between. And so, um, so yeah, I, I think dispatching is inexpensive to start. It doesn't cost much. Um, you just need time. Um, low boards, of course, a dispatch training class may cost you anywhere from two hundred to five hundred dollars. I've seen some upwards of thousands of dollars, but um, but you there's there's a lot of good classes that's you know that's five hundred and under that you can definitely take to get started in this in this dispatch industry. Uh, yes, sir. All right. Well, yeah, I appreciate that. And one of the biggest things that you, 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 I took from what you just said is eight years ago, you know, there wasn't too many people who was out there uh, that you can ask those questions of, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, which way should I go? Or uh, what's the what's the right way I should have this agreement or something like that? You know, right. it kind of it makes me think about, uh, you know, the culture and just like there used to be like embodiment of lack, scarcity, it's either me or you, and it's going to be me, you know what I mean? Right, right, and, right. You know, but now I feel like there's collaboration and, like, let's let's have more seats at the table. Like, how do you feel like we got there? Well, I, I, I think the last couple of years, um, obviously, during, during the pandemic, there was a huge increase of people um, providing classes, training, mentorship. Um, and then a lot of people who wanted to get involved in it. And I, I think um, people started to realize that this is, you know, what is it, almost a trillion dollar industry, that there's, there's enough room for everyone to grow and grow amongst one another. Um, I, think that's the, I think that's where we got to get to, right? And we all got to think along those same lines. There's no way that Michael Nelms can dispatch every truck in this industry, right? <laughs> Won't even make a dent in this industry. So if we, if we lead with that type of understanding, then I, I think that's why everybody's been kind of coming together, right? Getting on platforms like this. And, and, and I'm proud of you. I'm proud of what you got going on because you're able to disseminate the education in droves, right? And so you're able to get that um, get that message out and push it to the right people. So I, I, I'm telling you, people like you with podcasts, man, that's 
that's being able to, I know you have Ramel on there. He has a podcast. You guys coming together to, to join forces is remarkable, right? And you're able to get the message out to a lot of people and quick, right? Really, really fast. So, um, so we, you know, we, we commend people like you. It's, it's, it's the people like you that's really creating that cohesiveness in this trucking industry. So I definitely appreciate you for having me on and even taking the time to speak with me. Oh yeah, no doubt, man. I truly appreciate that nod. Um, and you know, it's because that same mindset that you had, you know, that realization, you know, <laughs> is enough for everybody. There's just because someone else is doing well, doesn't mean that I'm not doing well. The two are not mutually exclusive for us to be thriving out here and supporting one another. So, um, you know, I'm happy to be able to shine that light on that specifically because, you know, it should be a community over uh, competition, collaboration right. over competition. And, you know, that brings me to a question, you know, people, people, when you, when you're talking to somebody who is interested in the dispatch game, you might say, Hey, dispatching is a numbers game. Like, what does that mean to you? Like it's a numbers game. Well, it, it, it is to me. It's again, you hear me speak about the scalability aspect of any business. I, I think when you open a business and your mind should go straight towards how do I grow this business? How do I grow it properly? Um, and so when you think about dispatching, I always tell my dispatchers, you know, four or five trucks, unless you're really seasoned in this business, that should be the, the limit of what you dispatch um, until you get it down packed and then you can do it. Um, by way of, you know, dedicated lanes and you're not really looking for loads every day, right? Get off those load boards, you can dispatch even more uh, trucks uh, of freight. So um, I, I think that, this, you know, you scale by way of hiring your staff. You know, I started off with just me trying to dispatch. And then, of course, I realized that, you know, I could cover more trucks and trailers if I would just simply train the staff properly and just hire the staff and keep everybody at four to five trucks. And, of course, that changes. Again, if you have a dedicated lane, then things can change. You can handle more trucks. Right. At this point, it's just, you know, making sure that the driver's picking and dropping, making sure the equipment is, is, is being pre-checked and everything is good to go, and you can just get to the next load. Um, but for those who are seeking to use load boards, um, and obviously everybody starts there, but you shouldn't end there, right? You have, to, you have to cultivate those relationships with these brokers. You have to find these dedicated, consistent lanes and freight, and then you can start to scale and, 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 and start dispatching, you know, larger fleets. Agreed, man. Agreed. Load boards are definitely necessary, but I feel like they are that catch twenty two. You know, you right. can't you can't start depending on them. You gotta you gotta go beyond that load board at some point if you want to make anything sustainable in this industry. Um, so look, you still dispatch box trucks? Because I know that's we, where you started. You still that's do where it? we started. That's where we started. So so we don't we don't dispatch <laughs> box trucks. We, we our specialty is, is semis, and there, there's a lot of reasons behind it. I love box trucks. I have a passion for box trucks. Obviously, that's how I got my start. Um, and, um, and But I also think that everyone should start dispatching box trucks. I, I say it because um, you gain so much knowledge and so much patience when, you, when you're dealing with solely box trucks. You if you can master box trucks, anything else in the industry is going to be a breeze, right? Um, I, I think you get your true bones in this industry by starting off with box trucks. It's important. Um, it's it's important, but uh, but yeah, we we don't we don't do box trucks. Yeah. <laughs> man, man, hearing you say this with the the passion in your voice, you don't know how many times I've said that same exact thing to my wife, and you know because dispatching box trucks, man, you you definitely are going up that rough side of the of the mountain. You're going the right. scenic route. 
you're getting all the uh, lessons of how to how to you know get over those objections and you know selling getting higher rates where they tell you no I'm gonna give you this box truck rate you know what I right. mean so uh, I definitely agree with you for people who are listening who are interested in dispatching look get your hands on a box truck carrier and grow with them you know what I mean because you're gonna one there's always going to be a, a need for a box truck to be dispatched. Okay. You know, those owner operators, they're doing a lot of work and sometimes it's not as convenient for them to find an opportunity on the low board. Cause you know, sometimes they're not as many, um, as for a semi. So, you know, if you're interested in dispatching, you know, that might be a good source, um, uh, for you to start with. And, but I understand though, man, you want to get to those high volume, uh, opportunities where you don't have to hunt every single day. Um, but you, all right. So you do the, you do the, you do the semis and is there a particular trailer that you, uh, that you specialize with? So that, that's a, that's a great question. I, and I, I'm, I'm really happy that you asked that question because a lot of people don't understand when you get your truck. Yeah. You can find a truck. It's easy to get a truck, but it's that trailer that's important. It's going to dictate what lanes you run. It's going to dictate seasons. It's going to dictate a lot. I love the reefer trailer for, for plenty of reasons. Um, I think the first reason is because I purchased them and I rent them out, right? They have a higher resale value. Of course, there's going to be a little bit more that you got to put into it as far as the actual reefer unit itself, fuel for the reefer, breakdowns, PMs, right? It's a little bit different than just a drive-in. But again, your resale value is higher. And you can rent them out for a little bit higher. So I, I like the reefer loads. Um, they pay more per, per rate per mile. Um, and again, peak season is right around the corner. That's 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 where you're going to make a lot of your money. Again, it's a, it's a little bit more difficult um, on the driver. If you have a driver that's not seasoned and don't know how to operate that reefer, make sure you give them a crash course. Um, and, and and again, insurance claims can go a little bit high if you if you don't if you don't run that reefer correctly. But again, you know, uh, no risk, no reward. So. Um, I like the reefer trailers, but I do rent, I do purchase and rent both reefer and drive-in trailers. Um, I love trailers because, and, I'm, and I know I'm going on a tangent, but you know when you when you when you can buy these trailers and rent these trailers out, you're you're setting yourself up for huge success in this trucking industry. We all know that fuel rates uh, are still high, freight rates are low, but the one thing that you can consistently get money from every month is those trailers. You buy a trailer. You get that residual income. So when, the, when, when, when it's time to pivot, you've already done that prior to the pivot, right? The goal in this truck and to sustain in this industry, you have to pivot before you're forced to pivot. You have to find other ways to make money in this industry other than just buying the truck, putting a driver in the truck, right? You have to make sure that you develop multiple streams of income within this industry if you want to sustain and be in it for a long time. Oh, man. You know, I just wrote down a quote, man. You got to pivot before you're forced to pivot. That's huge. That's huge. And a lot of people uh, catch it a little bit late, man. They catch it a little little bit late. Um, so I think that's, I mean, I agree with a lot of the stuff that you just said, but um, man, take that. You got to pivot before you're forced to pivot. You got to have these multiple streams of income and it's a trillion dollar energy, I mean, industry. So there are so many different ways to make money. Um, let me ask you this, when it comes to, a dispatch service, a dispatcher, um, kind of talking to an interested carrier. Uh, do you feel like a dispatcher should more so lean into specializing in like a, a region or a, a piece of equipment? 
or just be like, oh, whatever you got, I can do. Like, what do you, what's your perspective on that? Yeah, so so the whatever you got, I can do sounds like a like a sales pitch to me, right? So when when people come to us and they want to lease on, right? The the concept is that they want us to actually mentor them. They want us to guide them. They want us to help them. They want us to show them what we've been able to accomplish and why, right? And so as a dispatcher, you need to kind of you, you hone your skill by not trying to do everything. So specialize in a couple pieces of equipment, meaning you know, a couple trailers, maybe, maybe three, maybe you want to do drive in reefer and flat, you know, but you don't want to do, you don't want to do box trucks and, and sprinter vans and cargoes and because it just becomes too much. You can't, you can't establish relationships if you're all over the place. So we like to keep it close. We like Texas, you know, we like the South because of the weather. We don't want to want to go up North too much. Um, but we, we like that, that region. We like that Texas to North South Carolina, maybe PA, Ohio, especially when it gets cold, you want to go back towards Texas. But if you if you if you can keep you, I always say this, if you can keep you 10 good, solid brokers that you have personal relationships with, you have their cell phone, you're texting them. Right. It makes it so much easier to keep that freight all in one place. Plus, it's better on your driver. You don't want your driver going from California all the way to New York, all the way to, to, to you know, you want to kind of keep them in, in, a, in, a, in a tight knit group so that they're comfortable with those back roads. You know, they, they know how to get to the picks and the drops. They want to get familiar with the shippers and receivers, right? You don't want your driver going to 10 different receivers every other, every other week. You know, you want them to kind of keep it in, in, in close proximity. So I think that's really important. A lot of times dispatchers, they're all over the place when they start, but if they just kind of keep it to maybe, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe six, seven different States and they keep it to about 10 different brokers, then they, that's how they get off those low boards. You know, it, you, you go from spending eight, nine hours trying to find loads for five, six trucks you know, especially box trucks to maybe now you can do it in three hours, right? So it's all about getting your time back. It's all about working efficiently and effectively. Um, and you do that by just kind of keeping it close knit. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Uh, you know, you got to you got to build those relationships, man, that low board keep things real transactional. But uh, the whole point is to develop those relationships so that you know, they hit you up before they post it on a low board and, you know, it just kind of grow from that. OK, OK. Like so, I mean, for you personally, for your company, you know, when you were dispatching companies that uh, you didn't have leased on and maybe even it was a, a box truck client, and you know, so no CDL driver, you know, mm -hmm. how did you protect them from themselves when they didn't know? Uh, you know, all the DOT regulations and things of that nature. Like, did you feel like you, you were coaching even before you started coaching? I do. I do. Because um, because before I started dispatching other people's equipment, I had my own. I had my own box trucks. So I, I kind of knew where I was screwing up. Right. And again, I was winging it when I first started. I'm be honest with you. I'm be transparent. You know, I, I wasn't you know, I didn't I didn't know it all. So I made a lot of mistakes. But the, the beautiful thing about it was I made sure when I started dispatching other people, I knew exactly what to look out for. And, and just keep in mind, when I first started with box trucks, I'm kind of predating myself. I sound old, but there weren't EODs. Um, it was paper logs. And so we, I was in that transitional period from paper logs to EODs. So some of the stuff we were learning together. Um, but but I, think, I think to kind of keep the drivers in line, and I say this all the time, um, I don't want to beat it to death, but contracts. You have to have contracts in place. And, and, and the way I was able to establish my contracts is from the mistakes I was making. When we would make a mistake, I would rewrite the contract. Every time that I did something that just wasn't, 
the trucking policy, I would rewrite the contract. Some things I just didn't know. And so my contract, you know, predates my semi trucking years. You know, it was it was when I really started the box trucks. And I think a lot of times you have to not just not just hold the, the drivers accountable by way of contracts, but you have to hold your dispatchers accountable. There's certain things that they need to do outside of just booking a load and giving it to the driver. Um, and I think if you hold the dispatcher accountable and you let he or she know what you expect from that driver, then she can start implementing those rules and policies with that with that driver. So I think contracts and dispatcher is a big thing that goes um, hand in hand with those drivers picking up, securing the freight properly and dropping that freight on time. Yeah, man, I remember. I think the first thing that I had to add to my dispatch carry agreement to my contract with my carriers was the fact that, you know, I had I had I had there was a driver who was a driver for another MC that I had been dispatching for about about seven, eight months or something like that. So this driver got their own MC. And of course, they naturally uh, onboarded with my company the very first load was a shadow broker situation where, you know, he got his MC, so I booked it under him, but he he done subcontract that bad boy out to another <laughs> motor carrier. <laughs> and this this was a this was a brokerage I'm talking about. I was moving about three to four loads, you know, probably no, I say about five loads a week. You know, consistent, sometimes two times two times a day. And this is what went down on the very first load and it damaged the relationship. Double I still, brokering. I, I still have not <laughs> moved a lo another load for that <laughs> that organization. And it was because of me. I gotta I gotta say that was me that I didn't have it in my agreement at the time. You know, right. that you can't do that. You know what I mean? Right. So right. I agree right. with yeah. you, man. Yeah. You gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta have these experiences and, and just grow with them so yeah yeah and, and it's funny you say that because i swear like I, this is all about eight seven years ago and i was still doing box trucks we double broker uh some freight i didn't even know what double broker it was what double yeah, broker it was right i mean listen <laughs> listen ignorance is not an excuse i didn't know what double broker it was and uh and so they they hit me with the same thing had a guy who um, already had a trucking company then he came to run under our fleet and uh unbeknownst to me we actually double brokered the load because he wasn't technically all the way on our fleet. Like he, he still had his signs on his doors. I mean, I was just new. I was, right. I was, I was new. And um, so I got hit with a double brokerage and then they hit me with a freight guard. Right. So these are things that, that, that can make it so, well, first of all, you said you've never even done a load with them. You know, it's a lot that you got to do to get that freight guard off. Um, But, but yeah, once they put that on there, not only is their company not going to want to uh, book loads with you, book freight with you, other companies may see this freight guard and not want to book freight with you. So, that, that's what I mean by the mentorship, right? There's no better mentor than someone who's actually gone through it, right? We didn't just read a book and learn this stuff. We actually went through freight guards and double brokering, right? And loads not being picked up and dropped on time and driver issues and trailer breakdowns and truck breakdowns, right? We've been through everything that you can think of. And so it kind of made us a, a pretty solid uh, business, right? We learned from our mistakes. We updated our contracts. We understand the importance of contracts. Right. And, and holding both parties true to it. There's so much that we went through in this trucking industry in the last eight years that it's it's kind of easy to mentor at this point. Right. Um, it, it is. And, and even our dispatchers all own um, trucking companies and they 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 we all form one unit and they dispatch for, for keep trucking. But they're knowledgeable. And, and again, we you know, we talk about dispatch a lot because it's important. It's, it's one of the most vital aspects other than an actual driver in this industry. 
Um, but it's it's how you dispatch. And and I always teach our dispatchers that we 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 teach them from an owner perspective. Like you have to know that those breakdowns are coming. And if you've handled enough equipment, you kind of know what those breakdowns are. You know what they are. You know how to get them to a TA. You know how to get them to a shop right here in Georgia. Like there's certain things, uh, if it's a carrier, a reefer, you know, if it's a reefer, you're in the carrier. I mean, it's you just, it's certain things that you have to, most people in this industry that have trucks are new, right? Mm-hmm. And because of that, because of that, they need that dispatcher to do a little bit more than just dispatcher. You know, they need that dispatcher to kind of help them onboard their driver, explain to them what pre-checks are, help them route, help them do a trip plan, a trip route for that freight. That, you know, help them about the EOD logs. And it's, it's so much more that a dispatcher should be doing other than just grabbing a load from a broker off a load board, right? And that's going to push this industry in a, in a right direction. That's how you get, you know, that, that's how you get those higher rates on your, on your freight. Everybody say the rates are low. Yeah, they're low. But, but some of us are getting pretty decent rates based right. on those relationships that we made a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, right? So, um, yeah, they may not be where they were, but they're not $2 a mile for a semi either, right? So right. That's, that's, that, that's, that's the importance of leasing on to a company like ours who's going to mentor you and show you, hey, you can actually pivot during these hard times. You don't have to sell your equipment. You don't have to park your truck. You don't have to suspend your insurance because it's not moving, right? You have to just get with the right team of people who really have an affinity passion for this industry is going to teach you the right way. No, I definitely hear you. I definitely hear you. And with that lease on program, I mean, is, you know, this, this is going to sound a little negative just because of the, the words, but do you guys have a, a forced dispatch program or a policy with folks who lease on to you? Absolutely not. Okay. Absolutely not. You, you have to understand a lot of people who are owner operators that lease on, they want to, they want that feeling of being an owner. If not, then that's just a company driver, right? And they want to feel the importance of what they did to become that owner operator, to actually own that equipment. You should never have to force, you, well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't force dispatch a driver, period. I, I don't believe in that. Um, there's a lot of times where drivers just, they may not feel well, right? They may have home issues. They may not, they, you know, so you can't, you can't, they may not want to drive in New York or New Jersey, right? They may not want to drive in the snow. So, um, you know, I, I think to just force that load, it's important that when you onboard your driver, you, you know, you have them fill out that list and it tells them, tells you right then where they don't want to go. Right. Um, so I think that's important not to force dispatch. We don't force dispatch. Um, so I, I think it's, I think you have a healthy relationship with your drivers, with your owner operators that you do have leased on and, and working under your company that you don't, that you don't. And that's, I hear people do it all the time. They force dispatch. Um, I just don't think it's, I don't think it's a healthy, I don't think it creates a healthy environment for your trucking company. Yeah, no, I feel you. I mean, I, I, I learned how to dispatch by working for a corporation. And, you know, all of the drivers I was dispatching, like I was dispatching 13 drive-ins. And, uh, you know, they actually, you know, they were company drivers. So they had to go where I, I told them to go. And right. coming, like being able to uh, open Atlanta Dispatch, my very first client was a box truck. And, you know, with box trucks come all these other considerations. You can't just send somebody to a specific spot and not, you know, consider where they're going to sleep, how they right. going to, you know, do all these other things. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a ebb and flow. It's a, it's a communication that you kind of, it's a relationship that you build to even know if that's something that they're even with in the first place. Right. Um, 
But yeah, so no, I, I hear you, brother. And because of Box Truck being the way that I got started as an entrepreneur, as a dispatch uh, agency owner, uh, that just didn't that didn't play that didn't have a part where in my operation that forced this situation. Um, okay. Look, let me ask you this for the new dispatchers, people who are like, mm, you know, I got my dispatch carry agreement. You say, uh, contracts are very, very, very important. Um, how, do, how does a new dispatcher, you know, do work, get some of the, the best paying loads for a company, for a, a carrier and, ensure that they actually get paid for doing the work for booking that freight and doing all the services as a dispatcher like do you have any tips tricks for those folks who are new and they want to just guarantee that they're going to be able they're going they want to safeguard the fact that they're going to get paid for the services that they rendered oh, oh yeah again we, when i said we've been through everything you could think of we had that happen some years back where we um dispatched for a, a carry actually had seven trucks i think and uh, it was going well. And then, of course, one week he just didn't pay. He shut down his operation. He didn't pay. You can actually um, you can actually have the, your percentage um, taken out of the low by way of their factoring company. So um, so you can you can have that in your contract. They can contact their factoring company and you can be paid directly from that factoring company based on whatever percentage you guys agree on. Um, so that way you don't have to wait for that payment to come from the actual uh owner 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 operator yes sir man and it really helps when you have a factoring company that understands the importance of a dispatch company and they're willing to do that you know some people right. some companies out here some factoring companies out here really really value dispatchers because they know if a motor carrier has a dispatcher they're probably going to be getting more money probably about 22 percent more than they would uh just them doing it by themselves and with that comes higher accounts receivables for them. So it's it's a it's a it's a mutually beneficial relationship for a factoring company to uh, you know protect the interest of uh, a dispatch um, owner or a dispatcher. And this is what this is this is the game that y'all will really understand once uh, you know you get operating as a dispatcher is is when you have those relationships with the brokerages. Uh, the brokers that you're booking all the freight with that will keep keep you updated as a dispatcher if a carrier tries to reach out to them directly. Right. You right. know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. Those are the relationships, okay? <laughs> um, so no, nah, man, it's, it's it's a lot of people who really respect and uh, uh, value what dispatchers bring to the game. And um, you know, I feel like we 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 definitely had a lot of questions. Uh, and I, I, you know, I got. This is, let me just ask you this, right? As a coach, can you teach people how to be coachable? You know what I mean? Especially like them, you got you got folks in your network who, uh, who are interested in getting into trucking, uh, but they might not know anything about it, but they're headstrong because they're, they're, they're successful in another industry or whatever, whatever. Like how, I mean, do you have tips, tricks on how to, you know, kind of position somebody to receive the coaching. And that, that's a that's a good question. Um, so so you you said that they may be successful in another industry and they want to come over to trucking. So we got a guy, Dale. He probably owns about ten uh, ten properties, pretty big in real estate, and he wanted to come into trucking. And um, the first I said, you know, hey, let's establish a consultation. Let's see where you are. Let's see what you want to do, and, and you know where you want to go with this thing. Um, and so. Through that consultation, we figured out that him buying a truck and trailer 
and putting the driver in it just wasn't wasn't really his strong suit. So we taught him how to purchase trailers and rent those trailers out. Um, and so he's right now, I think he's working on his sixth trailer within the last, what, three, four months now. It's it's doable. You just have to have that mindset of um, and I say it all the time with me, like I'm big on it. When I'm in a room with people and I know that they know way more than me, I shut up and listen. It's real simple. Um, you know, being coachable. I don't think it's that difficult to teach if you're constantly communicating with that person, right? Trying to help change their mindset or get them to listen or get them to see the results of what we may have been able to accomplish or even even other people. So, um, man, I, I think they got to be want they got to want it. Like you got to this trucking is not we're listen, we're not car salesmen. This trucking is not an easy job. It is not an easy business. Um, it's a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of resources. It takes a lot of capital. Right. Um, it takes a lot of patience, man. It, it's you're not just going to be extremely successful and rich your first year or two, right? So, um, and I think that sometimes is is a misconception, um, just based on social media and the influence, right? Um, and that's why we're extremely transparent because we don't want people to get in this industry, um, and 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 you're you're trying to coach them the right way, and they have a, a expectation of something entirely different, right? Like sometimes people expectations are just not realistic. And I think once you can kind of get them to realize the true essence of this industry, then it becomes easier to coach them. It comes, it becomes easier to become their mentor. Like they kind of, they kind of, they get the bigger picture, right? Um, you're not going to get rich off one truck. Um, you probably can't quit your job just by getting one truck unless you're driving it. These are the realities of trucking, right? But again, with the proper mentorship, with the proper guidance, education, um, it's, it becomes a lot easier. It becomes a lot more realistic to, to obtain whatever goal you have. But just don't get out here like I did and thought you can just smart your way into trucking. You can't just smart <laughs> your way into trucking, all right? I don't care what degree you have. I don't care what other knowledge you have of other companies. You cannot smart your way into trucking. You cannot watch YouTube and become successful in trucking. Not now, maybe before you could, before the rates were low and the few rates were high, right? There's a lot of different equipments higher. Uh, to, to be able to get your a lot of parts are on back order. There's a lot of hurry up and wait in this industry. And, and it's not me selling the mentorship program, although I wish all you would take advantage of it. Um, but you, you do. You, you, you got you to gotta find someone that's going to be able to guide you through those pitfalls. And again, like I said before, pivot before you're forced to pivot. Yes, sir. Man, that's still a very powerful quote. Uh, I, I definitely I'm going to have to post that one on LinkedIn when uh when i repost this uh this session so uh, i appreciate you i did have you know for the folks who are listening in if you had any questions you know I, brother Nels, would you be open to people asking questions this is what i do for a living i answer okay. questions all day. <laughs> and, if, and if for whatever reason if we don't get to it here you can definitely hit me on my dm at maddie daddy time and we'll, we'll answer those questions or just join our instagram uh subscription Oh, that, that's a good way because we're answering questions all day in those in those lives and those uh those group chats that we established. But go ahead, shoot whatever questions you have. Got you, got you. Look, y'all. I mean, put them in the chat, or you can uh, come up to the stage. Just raise your hand. Um, whichever one is your prerogative. Uh, look, man. But just speaking to you, um, and I know that you got baby girl. Um, there is a game, right? There's a game that I just learned about probably, I don't, actually I played it for the first time maybe about two, three years ago, but it was, it was created by the same guy that wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's called Cash Flow. And mm. 
it speaks and teaches people how to get out of the rat race. Um, you know, it's kind of like it's kind of like the more advanced or involved uh, version of Monopoly. Uh, and okay. it's definitely a game that I've introduced to, you know, my family. I think that might be something you might want to get off of Amazon. It, it's pretty dope, brother. It's pretty dope. Um, and it, it. it gets them thinking like a, as a as a business owner, someone seeking passive income opportunities just in their regular life. So I, for anybody listening, uh, definitely, definitely, definitely uh, get that bad boy cash flow. Cash flow off Amazon. Got you. Yes, sir. All right. So look, we did have somebody join the stage. How are you doing, man? Please introduce yourself and let us know what your question is. Hi, I'm Aisha. I've uh, been in the business about 22 years. We started off with bulk mail and all that good stuff. Uh, for those in the audience, and uh, give me your best opinion about who is easier, I use the term easy loosely, to coach the younger drivers, uh, those who are just coming from being company drivers, because I've had my MC number for uh, about 19 years, or the drivers who are uh, perhaps seasoned, maybe coming from the military, to get people an idea who are in the audience, maybe someone who's interested in, in working with you, who, who do you want to attract the most, or who do you find easiest to work with? Oh, great question. Okay. All right. you want, that might yeah, so in my opinion, I absolutely love the younger drivers. I love the younger generation. Um, I love what they bring to the table, the longevity of it. Um, I, I absolutely love the younger drivers. They're, they're teachable, they're coachable. Um, and a lot of them, they, they want to grow, right? Um, and it's no knock on, on, on older season drivers, but a lot of times they're setting their ways. And if, if they're driving, they probably just want to drive, right? They want to get in that truck, crank it, maybe, maybe do a pre-trip, maybe not. And, and they want to go. I think the younger generation is so eager to, to advance, right? They're so eager to get to the next level. They're so eager to become owner operators. So they want to learn not just the trucking side of it, but the business side as well. Um, so I absolutely love the younger drivers. I actually learn from them. Um, and I, and I, and I, I like their ambition. Um, so yeah, if, if I had to pick, um, I would definitely go with, with the more younger driver. Okay, great. And, and young, if I could do one, one more question. Mm -hmm. yes, go sir. for it. Go if for could, it. If I could do one more question, when it comes to those that you've helped before, do you find, uh, that you stay in touch with those who have gone on, perhaps released to you and have gone on and have come back and thanked you or brought other drivers on? Because I find the best advertising is free advertisement when you uh, yeah. under promise and over deliver and treat people like they want to be treated. Well, yeah, I, I well, I, I swear in this trucking, right? People become family so fast in this trucking. Um, I think it's important to keep up with everybody. I love when people come back and say, hey, I took your class two years ago or, you know, or, you know, we released on and now look what type of fleet we have now. I think it's important, like, you know, trucking is, it's, you do it so much that your family, your friends, your team, they become like, they become your everything. So even if it's a driver that went on to drive for another company or went on to become an owner operator or someone who we actually dispatched for us went on and now they're dispatching 15, 20 trucks. Like it's, it's a good feeling to know that you took some part of that, right? It's a good feeling to know that, you know, you guys were able to grow together. Um, again, this industry is so big, there's no competition. So if someone leaves, you just, you know, unfortunately you have to replace them, but they're still in the industry. They're still your family. You're still keeping in touch with them. You know, it's still happy birthdays. Like it's a, it's a beautiful industry to be in. Um, my, my mentor, you know, I was just talking to my mentor. I'm not going to tell y'all who she is because y'all probably try to steal her away from me. Yeah. 
but we talk every single day. Like she doesn't even feel like a mentor. Like, and it, yeah, mentors need mentors, right? Therapists need therapists. That's why I'm telling you it is important to have a mentor. I mentor a lot, hundreds of people. I've mentored hundreds of people. And I'm sure she has too, but I have a mentor. That's why I'm telling you it's important to have a mentor. And and again, she she's she's not, she's like family. Like we laugh, we joke, and then sometimes she'll straighten me up. I might tighten up. You need that. You need that okay tighten up. So yeah, it's um I know I go into tangent when I talk about my mentor because it's like I get excited, you know. Right, right. The question when I talk about my mentor. But, it's, <laughs> but it but it is though. It is it's it's important that you keep in touch with people. It's important that you invest, that you pour into people in this industry, um, because it's always going to come back to you. Oh, great question, Aisha. I appreciate you so much. Um, it, did you have another one, madam? Uh, no, I, I just appreciate your time. And, and I've learned, uh, I'm uh, in my 50s, I've learned a lot from the newer uh, folks that I've met on here, and I'm also a mentor and coach, and we appreciate and we need uh, young brothers like yourself, anyone that is here for the culture and here to help our people uh, become self-sufficient, uh, I'm down for it. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, yes, yes. Appreciate you, Aisha. And uh, we also have Ricky join the stage. Ricky, are you there, brother? If so, go ahead and unmute yourself, bottom right-hand corner. I am. I'm here. Oh, boom. Look, man, introduce yourself and let us know uh, what your question is, brother. Uh, my name is Ricky. Um, I own U.S. Freight and Logistics. It's a new company I just started, um, and I'm just getting started in the business. Um, I just wanted to ask about the the mentorship and the, the program that you have. Um, you know, I've, I've got a mentor, but I don't think having more than one could be a bad thing. And um you, you seem like you're pretty knowledgeable with all this. So I just wanted to find out about the mentorship and, and, and what you have on that. Appreciate it. Well, first of all, congratulations um, on, on getting started in the industry. Um, we all have a, a long road ahead of us. And so mentorship is definitely a huge part of being successful. Um, we, we got different ways you can do it. Um, you can you can book blocks of 30 minutes um, whenever you need some type of guidance. And you can you can click the link in our bio on our Instagram page. You can set up a consultation for that. Um, and you can do it as frequent as you need. Um, we also have a private Instagram group. It's only $9.99 a month. Um, I love that group. I actually have fun. We went live last night. We make sure that we are communicating every day in that group. You can ask whatever questions you may have. Um, and it's, it's a lot of resources in that group. It's a lot of knowledge in that group. And I'm in it. I mean, I'm in it. I'm in it. Like I, like I need the mentorship as well, right? Because we do. We can all grow from each other. So a lot of times I'm in here and I'm learning from you guys as well. Um, but that's a great group to be in. It's inexpensive. I think everybody on this chat that wants to know about dispatching, that wants to know about scaling their fleet, um, that wants to know about getting into the industry, invest that $9.99 in yourself and join that group. And I guarantee you'll love it. And can I get the name of that group? It's at Maddie, M-A-D-D-Y. Daddy, D-A-D-D-Y, time, T-I-M-E. It's my Instagram page, at Maddie Daddy Time. There's a subscription button on the right uh, side of the page in the middle. Click that. It'll take you to the link. Submit your payment, and then you'll be in all our group chats. We do a group chat every day, every single day. So there's tons of information in there for you. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I appreciate you.
All right, all right. All right, I'm not sure. I don't think we had anybody else with their hand raised just yet. Uh, we're gonna keep that open for about 15 seconds. So if you got another question, raise it because we're gonna respect this time. Um, but look, in the meantime, uh, Brother Nelms, did you have anything that you wanted to say to close out of the room? Well, absolutely. Well, one, um, I appreciate you for having me. Like I said, just spending the time would allow me to kind of, you know, get in here and in this room and speak to, to, to your team, your family. Um, everybody on here, I challenge you to follow me on Instagram. It's at Maddie Daddy Time, M-A-D-D-Y, D-A-D-D-Y, T-I-M-E. Join that Instagram group. Um, we do have a a rooftop mixer October 15th come out it's going to be a great event we have a lot of resources in the room a lot of people in the room that's been in this industry different parts of the industry um so it's definitely well worth the ticket you can book that in the bio again that's October 15th right here downtown Atlanta starts at 6 p.m and ends at 10 p.m we also have a dispatch slash introduction to trucking training class that's October 29th you can also click the link in the bio and you can purchase that ticket as well. Um, and I look forward to seeing you. I challenge everybody to do one of the three, if not all three. But I definitely want to want to see you there. And, um, you know, we can continue to grow as one big team. All right. All right. Look, man, y'all better follow that brother. Keep in, uh, keep in touch and all the things that he has going on uh, October 15th and that dispatch training course. Um, look, I want to say thank you for coming up here and sharing the game. I know that, you know, through your your ability to be successful as an entrepreneur, you do make yourself available to a lot of people, especially for consultations. And, uh, you know, folks, that's kind of how this or this this group right here started was just, again, people who had game and was willing to, you know, invest into someone else to be able to grow and, you know, reach, uh, you know, grow to their next level. So. Uh, I'm truly grateful and honored to have you here and have been able to talk to you, interview you and, uh, you know, spread your message and the word about Keep Trucking Transportation. Uh, if there's anything I can do, just please holler at me. Um, as far as uh, look, also that link tree right there that that takes you to his information. So click it, uh, go to his website. Uh, we also still have the tickets. Uh, it should still be discounted for Freight Fest. Uh, which is Brother Ramel's conference that's going down in uh, in Houston this November should get you fifty bucks off. Freight Fest fifty is the discount code, um, so you can click that if you're in the Atlanta area and you want to join the team for the ATL five K that's going to be at Hartsville Jackson Airport. We get to run a five K on the runway, uh, so you know join the team. Uh, it is transportation and logistics. The actual password is uh, logistics uh, with a capital L. And uh, yeah, see us on Monday with Freightways as we partner with their sonar team here on Clubhouse. Uh, we're going to be telling you where you can position your trucks to take advantage of the market conditions. Um, and yeah, I think that's pretty much it. God bless everybody. And uh, Mike, I appreciate you again, brother. I appreciate you. Thanks a lot. Yes, sir.